Good morning, Dream City. Turn to your neighbor and say, Merry Christmas. Turn to your other neighbor and say, you too. <laughs> Hi, guys. I'm so glad y'all are here. If you're new here to Dream City, welcome home. You may be wondering, who's that skinny white boy up there? Hi, I'm Chris. <laughs> I'm the kid's pastor. Pastor Mark's not here today. Him and his family are in New York City spending some Christmas time together. So they send their love, their prayers, their thoughts to you guys. So keep them in your prayers, too, while they travel and stuff during this crazy, busy season. Guys, Christmas Eve is next Sunday. Is anybody ready for Christmas? Is anybody ready for Christmas to be over? Don't raise your hand. Oh, my gosh, that was a lot louder than the first service. <laughs> but I'm serious. Hey, um, the, the whole invite, Pastor Mark challenged us last week to invite someone to church next Sunday for Christmas Eve services at the 9 or the 11. I promise you this isn't a church scheme because people are traveling, so we're still trying to get butts in seats. In the church world, we call people who only go to church on Easter's and Christmas onlys, we call them the CEOs, Christmas and Easter's onlys. <laughs> it's true. There's so many people that will only go to church during those special holiday times. So Pastor Mark is strategically making next Sunday's message, obviously the Christmas message, but it's a salvation message for those people who need to hear Jesus. So don't hesitate, man. Don't, don't wait. On your way out, the ushers will have some more invite cards. Grab one and invite someone that typically won't attend church but can absolutely come and hear the salvation message of Jesus Christ. Amen? And then New Year's is right around the corner. Is anybody ready to step into 2024? <laughs> Holy cow, man. This year has flown by. Uh, Pastor Mark started a brand new series two weeks ago. It's the last one of the year, and it's called Search With All My Heart. And the whole With All My Heart has been the theme for our church body for the entire year. So I get to help kind of wrap up this message today. And when I was talking with Mark about the past two weeks, he said that last week he kind of gave a Christmas buster to you guys. And the air was kind of sucked out of the room, he said, when he read from scriptures and kind of destroyed your childhood of the nativity scene. When in scriptures, it says that the wise men did not show up on the night of Jesus' birth at a stable. They actually showed up about two years later at a house, and it wasn't baby Jesus they offered their gifts to. It was toddler Jesus. <laughs> and some of you guys were like, what? So I'm going to keep that trend moving a little bit this morning. It's kind of like bubble wrap. I feel like I'm just going to pop some bubbles this morning before I jump into my message. I've been a kids pastor now for 13 years, and I remember my very first Christmas series that I gave to some elementary kids was called Chris Mythbusters. And uh, we took some messages from the Bible and kind of the man-made traditions of what we see as the nativity scene today. And we actually looked into the scripture for it. This first one is not uh, scriptural, but it is historical. Uh, did you know that the very first artificial Christmas tree was created in Germany in the 19th century out of feathers? And it was meant to sit on your table when you had dinner together. Later, those feathers were dyed green to make it more represent a Christmas tree, but uh, it didn't last long, probably because of allergies. People kept sneezing while they were eating. <laughs> in 1930, the very first artificial Christmas tree that was our base model of what we all have today was from a company called the Addish Brush Company, which was solely known, let this sink in, for creating toilet bowl brushes. So we all have giant toilet bowl brushes in our homes that we decorate. Thank God they're not used toilet bowl brushes, am I right? That would be kind of gross. Here's some more Christmas busters scripturally, though. We actually don't know how many wise men there were. 
We say three because of the three gifts. What were they? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And that old Christmas song, we three kings of Orient. We just assume three because of the three gifts. But wise men is plural. It just means more than one. There could have been two wise men. There could have been three. There could have been 30. There could have been 300. The Bible's not clear. It just says wise men. I'm going to keep popping your bubbles. This one's the big one. December 25th is not actually Jesus' birthday. I know, right? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Studies show that when the angel appeared to the shepherds who were tending to their flocks at nighttime, so they're sleeping in the field with their sheep, and they're proclaiming the night of Jesus' birth, they're not going to do that on December 25th at the beginning of winter. It's too cold. They do that during the summertime. So studies show that Jesus was more than likely born during the summertime. And here's my last one, because I know y'all are staring holes through me right now. (laughs) Um, The Bible also doesn't tell us that Jesus was born in a stable or a barn with barnyard animals. See, studies show that livestock back then were actually stored in a cave of some sort. So Jesus was probably born in a cave instead of a barn or a manger. Pastor Chris, what are you doing this morning to me, man? You're taking away my childhood. Jesus wasn't born on December 25th, and, and, and there was no stable and two wise men. Next thing you're going to say, there's no tooth fairy. Listen, it, it's not about that. Why, why in the world do we have the nativity scene or, or, or something to that imagination of a, of a movie or a book and you see all of these characters in one setting. Well, it's because someone wanted to capture the Christmas story moment in one setting for us. Just because little things are shifted around in, in time's sake, that doesn't matter because here's the cool thing, friends. Here's two things, actually, I want to share with you. Number one, you need to study the word of God and, and study it good to know it for yourself and don't just take it for someone's word that this is what's happened and that what happened and that one. I'm even talking about myself. Like you need to go home and you need to study God's word to know what happened. The flip side of that coin is this. Even though some man-made traditions were thrown into the nativity scene for us and maybe we fast forwarded and we have the wise men there at baby Jesus and they're in a bond. Like, it doesn't matter. Because the truth of the Christmas story has never, ever changed, Dream City. And that is that God loved the world so much that he sent his one and only son. And whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. That is the true meaning of Christmas, right? Never changes. And right now we can just end because that was a great message. Thanks for coming to Dream City. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Uh, I want to I wanna keep the unpopular conversation going with you guys uh, for the next several moments that I have with you because the title of my message today as we continue on this journey of searching with all my heart is called The Cost of Searching for Him. Something that's not very popular, it's something we don't really like to think about very much, but as we search for Jesus and as we follow God in our lives, it costs us something. And this morning, I want to I wanna read a scripture to you that I know Pastor Mark has already read. It's about the wise man. It's searching. Listen, it's Christmas time, guys, huh? Churches are talking about the Christmas story. We just have to get creative with it, okay? So don't glaze over what we're about to read in the book of Matthew. What I want you to do as we read this, as we're thinking towards the wise men, I want you to think about their response. Everybody say their response. Something happened and they responded in order to search for Jesus. And after I read this and you're looking for their response, say it again, their response, then I want to take four practical ways that we can take from what the wise men did and how we can respond in the same way in our search for Jesus today. You guys ready? Matthew chapter 2, starting in verse 1. 
Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who came and who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and we've come to worship him. Jumping to verse nine. After listening to the king, they went on their way and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. They fell down and worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Dream City, every single one of you and those watching online today, God has a unique calling on your life. Amen? He does. And that calling on your life requires a response from each and every one of us. And your response may be different than her response, and her response may be different than my response, but they all connect together in your response to what God has over your life. And it's going to cost you something. It's not popular. It's not fun. Even in this journey today, there's times where it is hard. It is frustrating. You already sacrificed so much and you're following after God. Sometimes you may be tempted to give up altogether. But just like Pastor Mark shared at the first of this series two weeks ago, he, Jesus, is absolutely worth your search. Amen? So this is what I want to do. I want to read you a quote that I found from Pope Francis. I, I typically am not looking around for anything from Pope Francis, but when I was getting ready for this message about the wise men, this um, quote came up, and I was like, well, this is pretty fitting for what I'm trying to communicate with you guys today. So I want to read to you what Pope Francis said about the wise men. Listen to this. It's not enough to know where Jesus was born, as the scribes did, if we do not go there. It's not enough to know that Jesus was even born like King Herod if we do not encounter him. It's when his place becomes our place, when his time becomes our time, when his person becomes our life, then the prophecies come to fulfillment in our own life. Then Jesus is born within us, becoming our savior. He becomes the living God for us. And today we are asked to imitate those wise men. They did not debate, they set out. They did not just stop to look, but they entered into the house of Jesus. And this is my favorite part. They did not put themselves at the center, but instead they bowed down to the one who is the center. Wow. We don't think about it very much, but it cost the wise men so much in their search for Jesus. Pastor Mark hit on this already a little bit. I know I might be reiterating some of the Christmas story that you've already heard, but it cost them their time, guys. They traveled over 800 miles to come see this newborn king. Over 800 miles, a two-year journey. That's commitment. And I don't know about you guys, but I hate road trips. Like, hate them. Like, driving from here to Tulsa is eh, about as much as I can take. And most of y'all are traveling for the Christmas holiday season, and you know that you're not in the car 30 minutes before you get on each other's nerves and y'all start arguing. The kid's in the back, mommy's touching me. No, I'm not. Mommy's mimicking me. No, I'm not. I can just imagine the wise men for two full years getting on each other's nerves, and one of them turns around, Balthazar, I swear, don't make me turn this camel around because I will. <laughs> And if you're a Dumb and Dumber fan, here's another Christmas buster for you. Anybody? Yeah, yeah, okay, all right, you're gonna love this. 
The Bible doesn't even tell us how the wise men traveled to see Jesus. It could have been by donkey. It could have been by their feet. We think camel because wise men, kings, magis, they got money. But what if they all three rode the same camel for two long years? Like you want to talk about really getting on each other's nerves. That'll do it. And not only that, guys, they left their comfort of where they lived, where they worked. They left their families and friends behind just to see this special boy. And the Bible says that when they finally did find Jesus, they went a different way because an angel appeared before them and said, don't return the way you came. King Herod's looking for the, the, the boy. He wants to kill him. Go a different route. Guys, we have no idea what that different route was. Was it a shortcut? Did they make it home even? We don't know. Their very lives were now at risk because they didn't return to see King Herod. In your search for Christ, it's going to cost you something. And here's the first point I want you to write down or take a picture of that we can now exercise in our lives today is that the wise men in their search for Jesus never gave up. No matter the obstacle, no matter how much they got on each other's nerves, no matter what was thrown at them for two long years, for over 800 miles, they never stopped looking. And yet, the Jewish religious leaders who knew about the coming of the Messiah could not be bothered to take the six-mile trip to Bethlehem to see it for themselves. So who really encountered the King of Kings that day? Who really were the true worshipers that day? It certainly wasn't the people who sat in the synagogues all the, all the time. It certainly wasn't the religious people who knew the scriptures backwards and forwards or even those who gave tithes. It was the Gentiles, the people of not even a Jewish culture. Think about this, guys. These people, these wise men traveled so long to see for themselves the fulfillment of what they believed was a prophecy come to fulfillment of a faith that wasn't even their faith. They wanted to see this for themselves. And the only sign that they had was this star in the sky. Distant, yet close, subtle and silent. Isn't that like God today? To give you those gentle nudges and those silent whispers to lead you in the right direction to follow him. We would be wise to follow after these wise men and not give up in our faith journey when we seek God in our lives. Amen? Pastor Mark started this entire year off with this theme verse from Jeremiah 29, 13. And it's beautiful how it has come around full circle even to the end of this year. And this is what Jeremiah 29, 13 says. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. It's a I'm not going to give up attitude. And I'm going to seek him with all my heart. Don't give up, friends. Don't give up. The second thing the wise men did that we can actually do today is that they worshiped him. And I'm not talking about songs that we just got done doing, even though I'm so grateful for our worship team and the talents and the presence of God that they bring in this place every single week. The Bible says that when they came into the room of Jesus, they knelt down on their knees, even falling onto their faces, and they worshiped this young child. Again, a faith that's not even their own at the time. Why? It's because they knew this was the Messiah. They believed and they saw and they fell down and they worshiped him. Listen, we have to remember who we're worshiping. 
We are worshiping the savior of the world. We are worshiping our healer, our redeemer, our chain breaker. We are worshiping the one who is the Messiah, Emmanuel, God with us. Well, what does it cost you to worship God? It don't cost you nothing. Yeah, it does. Because we've all been there. Hell's breaking loose in your life and you know what you should do is pray and seek God and turn on a worship song and just, I don't feel like it. I wanna stay angry. Listen, pastors are people too. And there's times where we know that's the correct response, but our first initial natural response is, I don't feel like it. I, I don't want to. I want to stay mad for a moment. I want to vent to my family. I want to get angry. Like, you know you should, but I, I said this before and it never changes, guys. I'm speaking from experience on this too. But when you take your focus off of everything that seems to be going wrong in your life and you put your focus on everything that's going right, that's when things start changing that's when things start changing. So seek him with all of your heart and worship him even when you don't feel like it. Here's the third thing the wise men did that we can learn from today. They offered, they offered gifts. You guys have already said it, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But what is a toddler Jesus gonna do with gold, frankincense, and myrrh? Think about that. And it's just like us today, you go through all this trouble, all this Christmas shopping, all this thought process, you spend all this money, you buy your gifts and your, your gifts for your grandkids and your kids and your nieces and your nephews and they open it and they're like, oh, they don't even play with the toy, man. They play with the dadgum box that came in. Like, it's fresh, just get your kids cardboard boxes, guys. They'll have a blast. But the gifts that were given were actually very symbolic of who Jesus is and who Jesus was to them. Gold, gold represents the kingship of Jesus. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh all together are gifts that are normally presented to royalty. And they brought gold to represent his kingship. The book of Revelation tells us that inscribed on Jesus's uh, white gown is the name King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Jesus is our King. Frankincense, represents the deity of Jesus. Frankincense is this aroma offering that was burnt constantly in the tabernacle back in the Old Testament. You can read about it for yourself in the book of Leviticus. Constant burning every single day as an offering unto God because it was God that it was going up to. So when they offered frankincense to Jesus, they were saying there's something special about this young man. He's fully man, but he is also fully God. He is the savior of the world. And lastly, myrrh represents this, the death of Jesus. That's a great Christmas present to receive. What do you mean the death of Jesus? Guys, myrrh was used to embalm bodies before burial. That's all it was used for. It was already foreshadowing what Jesus was born on this earth to do. He was born to die on a cross for the sins of every single person on this world so that we could have eternal life with him and to see him resurrected and sitting at the right hand of the Father right now. Your gifts that you have to offer to God today are a lot less goldy and frankincense and myrrh-y. What do you need to offer God today? Well, the apostle Paul actually tells us in Romans chapter 12, verse one, I appeal to you therefore brothers, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. Paul is saying, stop living your life for your own sake. Live your life in according to what God says, 
so you can be a blessing to everyone around you by sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. And that's what we need to be offering to God. Stop living your life as your own. Easier said than done, right? Yeah, you know why? It's hard, it's a sacrifice. It's gonna cost you to follow this man named Jesus. And here's the fourth thing the wise men did. It's not written in plain text in the Bible during the Christmas story, but it's definitely implied and it's simple. God directed and they obeyed. It's easy to say. When you're giving counsel to a friend who's coming to you and they don't know what to do and you're like, just obey God, what's God saying? But when you're in the hot seat, it's a little bit harder to live out sometimes, isn't it? Obey, simply obey. It's gonna cost you something. What is that something? That something is everything, Dream City, everything. And I'm not trying to take something away from you. No, I'm trying to help you understand don't be fooled. It's not all sunshine and rainbows and lollipops being a Christian. There's blessings that come with it. Do not get me wrong. And I do not regret being a follower of Jesus and I never will. But it requires sacrifice on our part. Even Jesus himself looked at his own followers, his own disciples, and his own words today echo to you as his disciples, and this is what Matthew 16 says, Jesus' words. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life would lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake, they'll find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? The cost of following Jesus and searching for him requires a response from us. And that response is, God, I'm so sorry when I need to trust in someone or something that I go to so many other people or so many other things before I go to you. I'm sorry, God, I wanna make you my number one. And I don't know if you've ever thought about this in the Christmas story either, but it wasn't just the wise men who sacrificed so much in their search for Jesus. Even little old sweet Virgin Mary she got pregnant out of wedlock and was instantly labeled around the team or the town gossip as the town slut. Because she got pregnant out of wedlock and worse yet, she was pregnant with a child that wasn't even her fiance's. Even Joseph wanted to do away with the engagement. Like what is going on? People are talking, this, things are getting crazy. Like no. And then God sent an angel to say, no, you need to marry her because that's my son. Guys, can you imagine the heartbreak they went through, best friends and family members talking bad about them, calling them out, giving them nothing but ridicule and thank God the census happened and they had to go to Bethlehem to get out of there. But what did they gain out of everything they lost? Guys, they gained to be the parents of the savior of the world. They literally got to see Emmanuel, God with us. And here's something I want you to write down if you can as I get ready to close. Something we need to all remember. The cost of searching for him is absolutely great, but it is nothing compared to the reward of knowing him. The cost of searching for him is great, but it is nothing in comparison to the reward and the joy of knowing who he is. Really quick, I want to uh, share my own personal story before I close in how I found Jesus and not, not my salvation message that, that I don't have enough time for that. Um, but eight years ago, I wanna, I wanna go back in time with you eight years ago. 
when I was a kid, first of all, I always knew that I was supposed to follow after Christ, like gone through stuff, temptations, trials, you name it. But I always knew I am gonna dedicate my life to following Jesus. Was so blessed to marry a beautiful woman who from a very young age said the same thing. And together, hand in hand for the past 13 years, we have been seeking God in every area of our lives. So eight years ago, we didn't have a baby yet. Our little daughter, Harmony, was still inside Melody and she was big pregnant, like big pregnant, about to burst. First grandchild on both sides of the family, okay? Mine and hers. We lived in Dallas, Texas at the time. Uh, We were about an hour, hour and a half drive away from her parents further in Dallas. And we were about three hour drive from my family further in West Texas. I was in my second church at the time as a kid's pastor and a year was coming to an end there. And it was like a mutual, like, this isn't working out. It's not working out for me. It's not working out for you guys. I can't fit the mold that you're wanting to me to fit in. And I, I, I just can't get your vision like, like I thought I did. Like, it's just not working out. And so it was kind of a mutual fire, a mutual let go. But we had nowhere to go, guys. We didn't know what was next. We're about to have a baby and I'm about to lose my job. And my wife is already quitting her job to be a stay-at-home mom. Like, we're screwed. What's gonna happen? So I turn to my wife one day and I say, baby, I I, I don't know what this is gonna look like, but let's just count the cost. And homeschool Chris doesn't say phrases like that very often. Let's count the cost. I got that from the book of Proverbs. The Bible says that if a man tries to build a tower, but doesn't count the cost first and then runs out of materials, he's gonna look stupid in front of everybody. And one of the pastors of the church that I was about to be fired from came to me and said, man, you you know this is coming. They're gonna fire you. They're gonna let you go. You guys are about to have a baby. I, I don't want you guys to be up the creek without a paddle. I want you guys to land on your feet. So go ahead and put your resume out because in the next two weeks, they're gonna fire you. And I was like, well, thanks for the heads up, man. I'll, I'll go ahead and do that. Within 24 hours, I get a call from a place called the King's House in McAllister, Oklahoma. Very first call that came my way, and it was a guy by the name of Blake Jennings, who is one of my absolute best friends. And he said, man, we, we just got done reading over your resume. We got done looking at some of your YouTube videos and your content on your website. Man, we think you're gonna be great. Like, would you come and, and do a working interview for us? Or are, are you still up for hire? And I said, yeah. He goes, we'll pay for your, your gas, your food, your stay. Just, just come up here for a weekend. And I'm like, I could use a little weekend getaway right now. So my wife and I agreed. Mother's Day 2015 is when we came up here for the very first time to see this amazing community of people in this, this church body here. And, and I can still see faces right now in this room that were there to greet my family and I that day. And I've never forgotten your faces and how welcoming you were to us. And I remember the message I spoke in Kid Nation that first day, it was called Mom and Me, M&M. And we gave M&Ms to all the kids after service, after we talked about moms and how wonderful they are in our lives. Melody and I get in the car and we start heading back to Dallas. And I'm like, so what do you think? And she goes, "Uh uh-uh, we're not doing it. We're not moving. I'm like, but babe, like this church is great. Like it's everything that I've prayed for. Like, I I think God's leading us in this direction. She goes, no, a stranger has to come to me and say, you're moving to McAllister, Oklahoma. And I said, okay, babe. I'm behind you, but let's just count the cost. Let's go home, let's research what it's gonna cost to buy a house in McAllister after we sell our house here in Dallas. And let's just count the cost. Like, are we gonna be upside down? Are we gonna be good? Like, what is this gonna look like? She goes, fine. But the answer's no. Two few weeks go by, she's about to have Harmony 
and we're counting the cost, guys. We, we are, we're researching, we're looking. Even when we would come back occasionally during those two weeks to preach in Kid Nation again, we would be looking at a few houses with the realtor here in town just to see, counting the cost. We never told a soul that we were counting the cost. We just talked about it with each other, wrote it down in our prayer journals. And then it was a night for us to go back to our Bible college, Christ for the Nations in Dallas. And they were doing a ceremony for those to get ordained. And it was Melody's turn to be ordained. I was ordained a year prior and it was her turn to be ordained. And they called all of those and their spouses up to the stage who were getting ordained for all of the uh, professors of the school to just kind of do a walkthrough and just praying over you. And every single professor prayed over us, sweet prayers. Uh, and then the last one came. His name is Chris Estrada. He doesn't know us from Adam. We just know him because at the time he was the director of the youth program. He comes up to us and we have our phone and we're recording all of these prayers over us. And he comes up and he starts praying really sweet things that are just scriptural. Like, God, thank you that you're sending these guys out like arrows into the nations and yada, yada, yada. And then he stops mid prayer. And he says, I really don't know if this makes any sense to you guys or not, but God is telling me to tell you that it's time to stop counting the cost and it's time to pioneer and he's opening a way for you to move forward. And we ugly cry, <laughs> like right then and there, Holy Spirit moment, snot pouring down our faces. And I'll never forget wiping away tears in my eyes and looking out down in the audience where Melody's mom was and she's recording and everything and smiling. And as soon as she sees us um, crying, she's all like, they got a word and they're gonna move, aren't they? <laughs> we went to Chili's afterwards and we were just, in tears, but yet, guys, there was so much clarity. There was so much peace. There was so much freedom. So I called Blake and I said, man, the ball's in your court now. We got a word from God that we're supposed to come to McAllister, Oklahoma. So they hired us, um, but we had to stay in Dallas until Harmony was born. We were in the hospital, Baylor, in Dallas for two days just to make sure mom and baby were okay. And when they released us, I took my wife, my very brand new baby girl to the parking garage, to a small SUV that was packed to the brim of everything we had left. And we immediately drove to McAllister. We left friends behind, family behind, to move to a state we've never lived in, to buy a brand new house, to start a brand new job at a brand new church, knowing absolutely no one, no one. And in that process, we lost friendships. People were angry at us because they think we should have stayed when God was clearly telling us to go. And we didn't burn bridges or anything like that, but just people are crazy, like Pastor Mark always says. But what have we gained in our search for God? Guys, over the past eight years, I wouldn't regret any moment of it. Even though this church even a little bit more than five years ago was at its lowest of lows. We lost our lead pastor. The church was bankrupt. We were gonna lose the building, but God came through. And since Pastor Mark's leadership, we have seen salvation after salvation after salvation, baptism after baptism, freedom after freedom. 
And I know that Pastor Mark, Pastor Blake, Pastor Josh, every single one of us can share some kind of story of telling you that it has cost us something to be here. When the church was going under, every single one of us as pastors were getting call from churches all over the states. I don't know how they found out, but they found out. And they were even people, some of us, that they knew personally. And they're like, hey, man, I'm so sorry what's happening, but man, we need a kid's pastor. We'll pay you this amount of dollars. We'd love to have you. Like more than anything that any of us are getting paid. Like even Pastor Mark got a job offer to be a lead pastor in Colorado. And listen, sometimes when it seems really good and it might be an answer to your prayers, if it's not God leading you, don't go. None of us felt led to leave this place. And I'm so grateful that we stood upon the truth of God's word because I am so blessed to be part of not a perfect church, but a healthy church that is constantly getting healthier and has a heart for people in this community. And that's you guys, you're part of that. And I'm so blessed to be part of this journey with you. And I think we need to change our mindset a little bit. Yes, searching for Jesus will cost you something. It's gonna cost you everything, but I think we need to change that mindset of what you're having to lose. It's what you're willing to give in order for you to gain so much. So Heavenly Father, I just pray a blessing over every single individual in this room, every single person that's watching online that represent your church body. And God, I just ask in the name of Jesus, in the moments where it is hard, it doesn't make sense, that you would help us to remember exactly what the wise men did. And they never quit. They never gave up searching for you and your truth. God, I thank you that you are gonna remind us to worship you, to offer our lives to you. God, I thank you that even as simple as it sounds, it's so hard, but in the moments it counts most, help us to be a church that obeys you that follows your lead, even when it doesn't make sense, even when it's hard, even when it costs us relationships, friendships, jobs, salaries, whatever it costs, God, may we position ourselves in such a way that says, God, whatever it takes, I wanna follow you with all of my heart so that I can be used by you to point as many people as I can through my example in my life to you the savior of this world. God, I thank you that you are with us during this holiday season and beyond. And just because the new year is ending doesn't mean that we stop searching for you. God, help us to continue this journey as long as there is breath in our lungs. In Jesus' name, and everybody says, amen. amen. I love you guys. Thank you for letting me speak with you. On your way out, don't forget, grab an invite card, invite a CEO to church with you next Sunday. Merry Christmas.